Jeremy Irons has recorded the Psalms from the Authorised Version of the Bible. Today we hear Jeremy reading Psalm 82. It's followed by Vladimir Ashkenazi playing Chopin's Waltz in B minor. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly? and accept the persons of the wicked, Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said... Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations.
Larry Gentis has produced a series of talks where he imagines himself to be a Bible character. Today he continues with the story of God's choice of Moses as leader of the people of Israel, with the story of the final plague in Egypt. I, Moses, have now witnessed nine plagues that God performed against Egypt because they wouldn't set us free. However, God has told me to continue to confront Pharaoh as a witness. His nation goes to ruin, and what does he still have? His power? Power over what or who? Then the Lord said that he was going to do one last plague, and then Pharaoh would let us go out of Egypt. This time God told me to instruct each man and woman to ask for articles of gold and silver as we were leaving. In other words, they'll pay us handsomely to leave their land. Furthermore, I suspect the Egyptians are afraid of me, as if it were me that did these things. I think that's a large part of the problem. So, I presented myself before Pharaoh one last time. The devastation was going to be so great that I'd hoped he'd let us go. I said, Thus says the Lord, about midnight I am going out into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die, from the firstborn of the Pharaoh who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the slave girl who is behind the millstones, all the firstborn of the cattle as well. Moreover, there shall be a great cry in all the land of Egypt, such as there has not been before, and such as there shall never be again. But against any of the sons of Israel a dog will not even bark, whether against man or beast, so that you may understand how the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. All these your servants will come down to me, and bow themselves before me, saying, Go out, you and all the people who follow you, and after that I will go out. I went out from that audience hall extremely angry, and the Lord said to me that Pharaoh would still not listen to me, so that his signs and wonders would be multiplied in the land of Egypt. It would be for a witness, so that no one, when their lives end, could possibly claim that God was an unfair judge. It was time to prepare for the last plague. The Lord gave us precise instructions to protect us from it. On the 10th of this month, we were to take a lamb for each family, and if the family were too small, to share it with a neighbor. It was to be an unblemished one-year-old lamb, and it must live in our own house for four days. Then we were to kill the lamb at twilight on the 14th of the month. We were instructed to spread blood on the two doorposts and the lentil of each house. God told us the, to season the lamb with bitter herbs, so we collected chicory, cresses, hawkweed, and other spices. The lamb was to be roasted with the entrails and the head, but not to leave any for the next morning. He told us to eat it ready to depart, with our sandals on our feet and our staff in our hand, and he was going to pass through the land, striking down every firstborn person and animal in all the land of Egypt that didn't have the blood on the doors. On the 14th of the month, it happened. All of us Hebrews prepared the lamb exactly as the Lord had prescribed. We ate it quickly, then waited, but ready to move at a moment's notice. Well, the night was unusually quiet. Normally, you'll hear the odd feral cat cry out, or the high-pitched growl of a jackal or the bark of a dog, but this night, nothing. It was as if you could feel and touch the silence. Suddenly, in the distance, 
The shriek of a woman was heard. Soon after, another, then another, then another. After a minute or two had passed, the entire city was a chorus of the most horrible screams, cries, shouting and the like, that you felt surrounded by the deafening noise. It was the sound of death and the horror of losing someone that you loved deeply. Oh, how I wish Pharaoh had listened to me. It was awful. Pharaoh then called for Aaron and I and said, Rise up, get out from among my people, both you and the sons of Israel, and go. Worship the Lord as you have said. Take both your flocks and your herds, as you said, and go, but you bless me also. For that was the now or never moment that God sometimes had had us become used to. When he says move, you move. No questions asked. We were all ready and moved quickly as one man. Imagine hundreds of thousands of people all moving out of the gates of the city. But there was no pushing or shoving. It was done quietly and quickly. And within about an hour, we were past the gates and on our way to, to well, God was going to take us to the land he'd promised us. We just had to believe and trust him. We took Joseph's bones with us. While we were going, the Lord spoke to me about this event, saying, It is a night to be observed for the Lord for having brought them out of the land of Egypt. This night is for the Lord to be observed by all the sons of Israel throughout their generations. We were to circumcise every male and consecrate the firstborn males on this uh, celebration. If someone who isn't a Hebrew wants to join you in the Passover feast, he must be circumcised and then he may eat it with you. So here we are, hundreds of thousands of us, all needing food, water, clothing, and all the other necessities of life. I hope the people will remember these ten plagues. I know that God will provide for us, but will these people put their faith in him? Okay, I'm, I must be off now. Uh, I suspect this is going to be a very long trip. As a rich man was more than a poor man, a stranger was less than a friend Is a baby worth more than an old man Your beginning worth more than your end Is a president worth more than his assassin Does your value decrease with your crime Like when Christ took the place of Barabbas would you say he was wasting his time? Well, how much do you think you are worth, boy? Would anyone stand up and say? Would you say that a man is worth nothing Until someone is willing to pay? I suppose that you think that you matter Well, how much do you matter to whom? It's much easier at night When with friends and bright lights Than much later alone in your own Do you think they'll miss one in a billion When you finish this old human race does it really make much of a difference When your friends have forgotten your face Well, how much do you think you are worth, boy? Would anyone stand up and say 
Would you say that a man is worth nothing Until someone is willing to pay If you heard that your life had been valued That a price had been paid on the nail Would you ask what was traded How much and who paid it Who was he and what was his name If you heard that his name was called Jesus Would you say that the price was too dear Held to the cross Not by nails but by love It was you who broke his heart Not the spear Would you say you are worth What it cost him You say no But the price stays the same If it don't make you cry Laugh it off Pass it by But just remember the day When you throw it away And he paid what he is worth boy will anyone stand up and say and tell me what are you willing to give him in return for the price that he paid Minister of Pitlochry Church of Scotland. Today her subject is Barnabas the Encourager. A man who's a hunter tells his friend the wonderful things in his life and his friend is never impressed, never excited for him. One day he gets a new hunting dog and it's an amazing dog. It can scent things that are miles away. It can point for an hour without moving. He takes this friend home and he shows him this wonderful dog. And of course, his friend is not impressed. Then he shoots a duck and it lands in the pond. And he sends his marvellous dog out to retrieve it. And what happens is the dog actually walks on top of the water. He fetches the duck. And he brings it back, trotting on top of the water. The man turns his head to his friend, thinking, at least now he's going to be impressed. And instead, his friend shakes his head and says, your dog can't swim, can it? (laughs) We all have those kind of people in our lives. People who think their role in life is to keep your feet firmly on the ground so you don't get too full of yourself. John Ortbeg describes them as basement people. He expands on it by saying they are those who seem to be joy-challenged, dream-squashing, fault-finding, wanting their own way, want to suck the joy out of your life type people. Basically what he's saying is that they want to drag you down to the basement of life where they feel you should reside. 
but a couple of truths here. All of us have the potential to be basement people for others. There's a basement person inside all of us. But that's not God's plan for human life, nor is it his plan for his church. The church is not supposed to be a place where we come once a week and sit in a service. Well, that, that's the way that many people in our culture view it. Church is supposed to be about forming little Jesus communities that should support one another as we travel through life. You see, we're all of us on this race of life. Each of us is running the only race in life that we get. We only get one chance at this. And we're called to come out of the basement and into the balcony and to cheer on our brothers and sisters that surround us who are also in this race of life. Because, as I say, we've only got the one chance at this. And all of us, every single one of us, needs to get out of the basement and be in the balcony cheering others on. And how do we do that? Well, Scripture tells us that we should encourage one another. Encouragement is the language of the New Testament. The words to encourage is used more than a hundred times in the New Testament. And one of the great characters in the entire Bible, and possibly the patron saint of encouragers, is a man named Barnabas. We find out most about him in the book of Acts. And so for a few moments, we're going to look at him and dream about what kind of people we can be. We meet Barnabas for the first time in the fourth chapter of Acts. Here's how his story starts. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Joseph was a Levite. Levites were one of the 12 tribes of Israel, and in his day, they served as assistants to the priests. They might be doorkeepers in the temple or musicians. But Joseph, the Levite from Cyprus, could not do any of these things. Why? Well, because he's from Cyprus. He had not been born in Israel. He was what was called a Hellenist. And although Jewish, he was regarded as a foreigner because it was thought that he would have picked up Gentile ways. Therefore, he couldn't have a role in the temple that Levites born in Israel, Israel could. That door was shut to him. Now, if it had been you or it had been me, we might have been annoyed. And therefore, we might have expected him to have been kind of annoyed about this. But it would appear that he's not a basement person. How do we know this? Well, he becomes part of a new community. And he sees a need. He sees poverty. And he says, I've got some property. I could sell some of my stuff and help some people out with it. He's the first recorded donor by name in this new community. 
And he doesn't do it to be a big shot. We know that because the text says he put the money at the apostles' feet. The idea that's being expressed here is that the phrase, in this phrase is that he's kind of saying, you'll know what to do with it. No strings attached to this money. Just use it to bless people. There's an amazing encouragement that comes when someone simply, simply gives. And there's amazing joy in it too. Some of you here will know that joy. The joy of simply giving. The joy of thinking, I've got something someone else could benefit from. The man named Joseph does this. And the disciples say, Joseph is not an adequate name for this man. We're going to call him by a new name. We're going to call him Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. Dante Gabriel Rossetti, the famous 19th century artist, was once approached by an elderly man. He wanted Rossetti to look at some sketches and paintings and to tell them if they were any good, or at least if they showed potential talent. Rossetti looked them over carefully, but after the first few realized that they didn't show much artistic talent. Gently as possible, he told the old man that really the pictures were not of much value. He was sorry, but he couldn't lie to the man. The old man nodded his head. He seemed to have expected Rossetti's answer. He apologized for taking up Rossetti's time, but could he just look at a few more sketches, a few more drawings? These had been done by a young art student. Rossetti looked over the second batch of sketches and immediately became enthusiastic over the talent that he saw before him. Oh, these are good, he said. This young student has great talent. He should be given every possible help and encouragement. He has a great future ahead of him. Rossetti could see that the old man was deeply moved. Who is this young man? Is he your son, your grandson? No, said the old man sadly. It was me 40 years ago. But nobody told me. I saw no point in continuing. I got discouraged and I gave up. I believe that every human heart hungers for a little authentic encouragement. It seems to be something that's rare in our competitive world where we are told we should be self-reliant and self-sufficient and that it's all about me being happy. But encouragement should not be rare among the people of God. All of us have the potential to be basement people for others. That's easy. We can criticize at the drop of a hat. Yet we're told to be encouraging, to be encouragers. Encouragement, as I said, is the language of the New Testament. 1 Thessalonians 5, therefore encourage one another and build each other up. Hebrews 3, 13, encourage one another daily as long as it's called today. Hebrews 10, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. And the thing is that we can do it in a variety of ways. 
Proverbs 16.24 says, Pleasant words are sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. The number of ways we can encourage one another through speech is almost limitless. And I wonder today if you will find words of encouragement to say to somebody you come into contact with. But then we don't have to speak words of encouragement. We can write them instead. The New Testament epistles, the New Testament letters are proof of the power of written communication Sometimes just a short note to someone who's discouraged can mean so much. It can change their day, but more than that, it can change their life. And there are other ways to encourage too. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, says Psalm 34, 18. And sometimes God simply asks us to be with another person on his behalf. We don't have to speak. Our presence itself can be a deeply encouraging gift. Jesus himself often touched people, and scientists are just starting to document the positive effects of touch, which God has known about all along. From a light touch on the forearm to a tight hug, these gestures encourage other people wordlessly. So many things we can't control So many hurts that happen every day So many heartaches that pierce our souls So much pain that won't ever go away How do we make it better? How do we make it through? What can we do when there's nothing we can do? We can be kind. We can take care of each other. We can remember that deep down inside we all need the same thing. And maybe we'll find If we are there for each other, that together we'll weather whatever tomorrow may bring. And it's not enough to talk about it, not enough to sing a song. We must walk the walk about it, do our part. Give our hearts so someone else can get along. We can be kind. We can take care of each other. We can remember that deep down inside we all need the same thing. Together we'll weather whatever tomorrow may bring. We can be kind. 
Peace of mind.